How's it? It's late night, morning combat, instant analysis of all things Showtime pay-per-view unboxing on Saturday night. Atlanta, the backdrop, Gervonta Tank Davis, you know the storyline, moving up two weight divisions from his last fight to challenge unbeaten WBA secondary title holder, the regular title holder, Mario Barrios. Wow. 11th round stoppage and a dramatic, exciting, action-oriented yet very scientific and all things thrilling victory for Gervonta Davis over Mario Barrios to improve to 25-0 and 0 with 24 KOs, the second straight pay-per-view main event for the, the one they call Tank. And uh, we got a star here, folks. We've got a big-time star, and this was a big-time performance. My name is Brian Campbell, of course, BC with the BDE. Got a BS and being a badass, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, one half of, of what they used to call morning combat with your guy, Lou Thomas there. Uh, we do a live show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern on the YouTube. So check that out. Like and subscribe this video. But you knew what we were hoping to see coming in. Does Tank Davis's power carry up to 140 pounds? And could this be a launch pad? Not to big fights within this crowded lightweight division, many of them that are hard to make, or maybe the beginning of Tank Davis doing Pacquiao, not Floyd, Pacquiao-type things in terms of moving up in weight dramatically and carrying the power with him. Well, uh, the power is what ruled for Tank Davis. Did he answer all of our questions? Like, yes and no. But the fact that he wasn't able to answer all with ease and the fact that Mario Barrios kind of exceeded expectations. I mean, he lived up to how it's to he didn't win the fight, but he lived up to everything we said about him as an unbeaten 26-year-old in his physical prime, great trainer and Virgil Hunter in the corner. And because Barrios was able to balance a technical approach with his with you know his sort of default aggressive style, but without overextending himself where he was easy to be countered. We saw a very tough effort in return, and that elevated the entertainment factor. Uh, it elevated the future stardom of Davis. Why? Because when you dare to be great, which is what Davis called this move, and in a lot of ways it was, um, the fights are harder, the challenges are bigger, but the rewards are even bigger. And that's how Pacquiao became a, a big-time star at the end of the day. And that's how it happens for most fighters. Uh, earning it in the ring. Even, even a young Floyd obviously had to do that and climb up multiple weight classes before he could then call his own shots. We're watching Tank Davis on the ladder up, and you want to talk about old-school feels in theater, and this that's what this fight was, like dramatic ebbs and flows and swings. Now, in the end, uh, Davis was up on all three scorecards, and the reason why it's important to say that is because there was a thought that he was down and that this was him rallying in the 11th round, even though Davis had scored a, a pair of knockdowns in round eight and looked to be on the verge of stopping Barrios. Barrios dug in, survived the round, and it looked like Tank kind of poured a little bit too much out of the jug and trying to stop him. Barrios rallied back in, and, you know, this fight, this fight was up for grabs in so many ways. Now, I had it 96 to 92 in favor of Davis at the time of the stoppage. So that does not come, that does not take into account the scoring, the two knockdowns in round 11. Well, technically the one knockdown on the body shot. And then the final flurry that finished uh, Barrios along the ropes as referee, Thomas Taylor jumped in, but social media, Steve Farhood, the unofficial scorer uh, for Showtime, they, they liked Barrios's work a lot more. I believe Farhood had it 94, 94 at the time of the stoppage. All three judges though, uh, two of them, I believe, echoed the score. I had 96-92, and the third also had it for Davis. Uh, I'm not sure exactly, as I have my notes in front of me, 
what that score scorecard was. But uh, what it tries to show you is that the fight was, was up for grabs. Now, Davis didn't know where he stood on the cards. But his performance to finish it, I mean, that's natural instinct stuff. That's the stuff that a star does. That's, although it's not equal in terms of the stakes of the fight or the, you know, the danger coming back, that's Ray Leonard against Tommy Hearns in 1981, right? Like that, you go, you're blowing it, son. Go after it and get it. Tank did that. Now he was up on all three scorecards in the end. Uh, I had him up 96, 92. So what does that mean? That means that you took away two points for the knockdowns in the eighth round for Davis but that he's essentially, uh, you know, it, it was still was a close lead. It still, I think, showed you that Barrios had done enough to be in this fight to be a problem, but there were some close rounds where it came down to what you preferred. And, and what I sort of mean by that is in the second half of the fight, Barrios had a lot of early uh, rushes in the opening parts of the round where he reestablished his jab after Davis had made a, a phenomenal, to be honest with you, a phenomenal mid-fight adjustment to, to take away that jab by parrying it with the right hand. Well, well, late, you know, Barrios would have some good moments early in the round and he controlled the distance at times very well. And like I said, was it wasting shots? He was very efficient and that lowered the overall punch out for, for both fighters, but it made all the punches matter more because nobody wanted to make a mistake and get countered. Yet Davis, I felt really seized the momentum at the end of a lot of these rounds. And I think he stole at least three of them on my card with big surges in the final minute where he landed the biggest punches of the round and his shots seemed to move Barrios a lot more than in return. The only time I thought Davis was possibly hurt was in round nine when it seemed like he was definitely taking the round off to recover from the uh, stamina dump the round before when he tried to furiously finish Barrios over the last two minutes of that round after having dropped him twice I felt like he got hurt by that counter jab from Barrios in round nine, but that hurt was, was fleeting. Once Davis was able to get his, his, the gas tank back under tank, uh, if you will, there, he had all the intangibles on lockdown. So that's what made his comeback win, even though it really wasn't a comeback, but you get the point. So dynamic. And I think the, the key element to that from an entertainment standpoint, watching the Showtime pay-per-view broadcast was Floyd Mayweather, who is Davis's big bro, mentor, and promoter, running you know, from ringside to the corner twice over the second half of that fight and telling Tank, look, you're, I think you're down on the scorecards according to the unofficial score on Showtime, meaning Steve Farhood. And uh, Tank didn't like that. And that was high theater, not only for Tank's reaction of being like, you think I'm down? You know, like getting pissed off, but Floyd's reaction of being like, this is what I talked about. I'm going to be 100 with you. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to tell you what you need to hear. I'm going to tell you, or, you know, what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. And that was, I mean, that was pretty damn good mentor work from Floyd there. We don't always give him that credit, you know, like he was, you know, AB Adrian Broner's big bro for a while, but Broner went rogue and, and hasn't really been able to keep his career together, you know, in terms of getting the best out of him. Tank has had his own ups and downs, obviously outside the ring, but you know, he retains that respect from Floyd. Uh, they've had some battles too, you know, in their personal relationship, but they're doing good now. And that was, that was a cool moment to, to see that. And I think it inspired tank. And afterwards tanks quotes were interesting where he said, I made it harder than I had to be. And when Jim gray pressed him tank basically summarized what he meant by saying, I, I wasn't throwing a lot of shots because I was trying to land the perfect shot. And that's what tank does as a counter puncher with knockout power who really studies you. I thought tank gave away, you know, rounds two and three in particular, uh, just kind of trying to gauge distance and study Barrios. And uh, 
when he says he made it more difficult on himself, you know, if he had tried to establish his own jab or tried to do more things by letting his hands go, these close rounds wouldn't have been as close in the end because he landed the bigger shots late, like I mentioned, but it was hard to score some of all of those rounds at the very least to Davis because the activity level wasn't there. So he, he realized in hindsight, he had a legitimate 140 pounder across from him who proved to be durable for most of it that, you know, if he had done it over, he wouldn't have allowed it to be that close. Well, the way he ended up doing it allowed it to be super extra exciting. And I know there is, there could be a hipster take, you know, at this about what Davis didn't do and whether he is a legitimate 140 pounder, but, and then, you know, if you ask me, BC, is he now a legitimate 140 pounder? Well, I mean, yeah, he just rallied to, you know, or to knock out a, an unbeaten champion who gave a tough effort. I'm not convinced he is a legitimate 140 pounder though, but that doesn't necessarily mean he should uh, leave the division. You know, it's, it's probably going to depend of course on what the next big opportunity for him is and probably to be back on pay-per-view because that's where his brand is now. But uh, at 140, he's got to work for it. He's got to fight for it. I mean, it's, it's, it's great theater, especially against uh you know, the, the, the top name. So he took this to dare to be great. And I loved how he framed that leading into the fight saying to be great. You have to, you have to really motivate yourself. You have to really feel like you're chasing something. And I think for Davis, there was a, you know, not doubt because he felt he was the more skilled fighter. I'm sure he felt like he was the bigger puncher and combined with his speed advantage, which was huge in this fight. And I think was the reason why Barrios had to fight so efficiently because again if he's going to overextend himself and waste a lot of jabs for example davis will counter that was that speed difference was so huge but that speed difference uh was able to stir up davis's power and the way he ended up carrying it out by kind of doing a deontay wilder type thing waiting for that big moment late and not always worrying about sealing each round even though i, I shaded him as i mentioned a lot of the close ones uh it's more exciting that way. I almost want him to stay at 140. He's overmatched against the, you know, the, the, he, his opponents are overmatched against him when he's going to fight the regular guys at 130, 135. And that means the mandatory opponents or the faded names because we can't get anybody else, right? I want him to fight Ryan Garcia. I want him to fight Lomachenko, Teo, Devin Haney, you know, name all the names there. Yeah, I want that. Will we see it? You know, if they can get up to his pay-per-view level, it'd be more likely because that's the only way you get two networks to get together like a Wilder Fury, right? Like a Mayweather Pacquiao. You get two networks and promoters to come together when there's so much money on the table. I don't think that money is there yet. So I don't think he's going to face those big time 135s next. But are there more guys at 140, maybe even guys with belts who Tank just looks at the style matchup and says, I'm not to fight for it. But that's a fight that motivates me. I, I wonder if he's going to keep challenging himself. If he does, we have to shower him with praise. This was a sort of pound for pound top 10 cementing performance in my eyes for Tank because he went above his natural weight class. It's like Lomachenko at lightweight. It's like when Pacquiao first moved up to 35 against David Diaz, then 140 against Hatton. And you're like, you know, then 147, God, against Cotto and, and, and De La Hoya. And you're like, he's not a real welterweight, right? But he's quick enough and strong enough and dynamic enough to, 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 you know, find victories in there that that just might be the best thing to challenge him to get the most out of him. And also for the, the growing entertainment value as a legitimate pay-per-view brand, which Davis is Pacquiao still is and was because of those same things by challenging himself. Davis can get into trouble in his personal life. Maybe 
staying at 140 and, and, and looking at an eye to the future of eventually going up to welterweight and keeping his body strong. His body didn't look cut and ripped for this fight. It looked, it looked strong. It looked muscular. Um, you know, you wonder, you wonder if that's the right, right thing to keep him on that straight and narrow because he's got to go hard in each training camp because it's not an easy walkthrough. Like he can be against guys at 130, 135 because he's so naturally stronger than them and has an incredible ability to, to set up his shots. Again, all that on display in this one against a stubborn opponent in Barrios. This is how you get ranked in the top 10 pound for pound. This is how you make your brand even bigger. People tune in to see you knock out whoever you fight for sure. And he gave us that, uh, you know, at 30 and 35. Think the Hugo Ruiz fight and the Nunez fight and uh, Ricardo Nunez fight. And I mean, you know, we've seen those fights time and again. And again, both fight was a little bit different. He gets, you know, tested a little bit more, went later, but he still got it. Uh, with the stoppage in the 12th round, I want to see more of these where, uh, you know, he's got to be super dynamic and pull something out of him to get that. And I do agree with him that if he could throw, if he threw more punches in this one, it wouldn't have been as hard, even though Barrios did some really good things. Now, what did Barrios do? Uh, he was actually only outlanded something in the neighborhood of 99 to 90 overall, according to CompuBox. So his output was high for a fight that did not have a combined high output for all those reasons I said before. He made sure he was the busier fighter. I also loved Barrios' body work. I think that was a huge part of him able to keep Davis in front of him and slow him down. I mean, Barrios was really good at trying to cut off Davis's surges of momentum. The only problem in this case for Barrios is that because Davis was the bigger puncher, and he had the speed advantage, he was able to surge back on top of what Barrios did. And that's a, I mean, that's a skill. That's Leonard against Hagler at the end of each round, right? The 30-second flurry. Only this was Davis flurrying in the final minutes with heavy punches. And, you know, the great ones can do that. When they feel the momentum going in the other direction, they, they grab it right back. So it's like Barrios did great to establish some of these chaotic changes of momentum that made a lot of these rounds great and made this fight such great theater and so much fun. But Davis always had the last laugh, the final word, the upper hand. Uh, it's cliche city over here. And some of that is speed, power, skill, elusiveness, all that. And, and I, I think he's such a better boxer and sets up his punches so much better than people give him credit for because we see all the knockouts. But he also has that those intangible instincts. A great chin, a want to be great. Gervonta has all that. He also just has the slick veteran stuff that you're starting to see come out of him. And, uh, you know, again, you start showing that stuff, you're top 10 pound for pound, and that's what he is. I mean, what if you're an MMA fan or if you're a casual boxing fan or even if you're a boxing fan but you're a little worn down or whatever, how could you not be entertained if you tuned into that? I mean, that's, that's what pay-per-view brands are supposed to do, challenge themselves, be in close fights, and then find a, find a way to, to figure out a, a path to victory in there. And the fact that he was able to self-identify afterwards and think in his head and go, you know what? I was quicker than that guy. I did have better natural talent. I did have better technique. He, that guy, Barrios, put up a, you know, put up a tough fight. And I'm speaking for Javante here, of course. But that, that Barrios put up a tough fight. But that, the toughness of that fight forced Davis to look even deeper and find those next gears. And uh, it's a harder path to go in modern boxing when a star can call his own shot it's a harder path to do things like this but it's super it's super rewarding it's super rewarding in terms of the titles you collect the big wins you collect uh the respect you collect and at the end of the day it's like yes you can be just an attraction you can be a great fighter but who's known only as a ticket seller and, and people come to you for that or you can just be great and cover all the bases 
and make the big fights for the big money because people want to see the matchups, but then deliver, you know, huge performances. And that's why this isn't a knock on Floyd because Floyd's style was defensive. And that's how he could swim and control these fights and have great longevity because he didn't take a lot of punches. And he was just so much technically better than all the other welterweights that he could fight like that. But that's not Gervonta. Gervonta is more well-rounded. He's also more exciting. So you get that Gervonta gets compared to, to Floyd a lot because of the connection there as fighter to, to promoter and mentor. But he's a lot more like Manny Pacquiao. And I think he's also a lot more uh, of a puncher, of a knockout puncher. They're both southpaws, yes. They're both athletic and explosive. Pacquiao more explosive in sort of like sweeping, powerful, un unorthodox ways. But Tank's got craft, and he's got the knockout power. I want to keep seeing him challenged. I want to see him at welterweight where it's clear he's not the bigger puncher, but he's got to box his way to victory as the smaller man with the shorter arms. That's greatness right there. I think he has it. I think he's got it all. I think the only thing he doesn't have is, is some of the maturity outside the ring, which has led to some very unfortunate situations. Hopefully he can grow and learn from that. I mean, that's all you can say every time that that happens. And it's been potentially damaging to his brand, but it really hasn't seemed to have hurt it yet to this point. Why? Because he delivers in the ring. And that's what matters at the end of the day. Floyd could get him in the building, right? Floyd could entertain those who really understood the game and did so many times. But if you didn't get this, if you couldn't hear Jimmy, it was just 12 rounds of sparring. Tank can't talk like Floyd or sell himself like that, but has a game that sells itself. And I think people like cheering for Tank at the end of the day. I think it's the demeanor he has uh, that he's not a big trash talker, but can be if you push his buttons. But it's just sort of this quiet, smiling, jovial guy goes out there and delivers. It's not exactly the, the game plan of how Gennady Golovkin was sold to the masses as this, you know, goofy Borat type guy who, you know, smiles on the way in and then leaves people, you know, out cold, but it's not completely far away from that. They're hitting different fan bases and the fan base that, that Davis is hitting a younger fan base, a more urban based fan base an entertainment fan base, meaning he, he draws the big names in music and, and, you know, in acting and Hollywood and social media and all that to come to his fights. Like he has been doing that. Right. You know, he's a he's already a traveling draw. If he's going to show up in Baltimore, show up in Atlanta, show up in wherever, he'll pack the arenas. Well, now he's a pay-per-view draw on top of that. And that's because he can have these, these, uh, these explosive fights like here when he really challenges himself. So uh, we have a real star in our hands. And it doesn't mean, you know, he's going to equal Floyd in, in, in terms of the, the, the longevity or the unbeatenness. It's a totally different fighter, totally different style of game. But Davis has stepped up to large platforms at a very young age. He's still only 26, and he's passing these tests left and right. Um, something special here. Shout out to Barrios for, for being stubborn right there. So you want to know what I gave Barrios? I'm sure people hear me go 96, 92 at the time of the stoppage for Davis. You're like, wow, you're disrespecting. So I gave Barrios rounds two, three, and four, and then round nine. And I, I think that's fair. That's four rounds, but because he lost the two points for getting dropped twice in round eight, that brings the score uh, back to where it was. Now, rounds two through four, I loved what Barrios did. Um, again, you found a way to establish distance, but without overextending. I mean, that, that's just technically smart boxing, controlling the terms of the fight. And yeah, a little bit was Gervonta taking the rounds off, reading it. But once Gervonta uh, uh, made that adjustment in round five, that was a big time championship adjustment. And that was to parry the jab of Barrios with the right hand and essentially disarm him. And once he disarmed him, 
Barrios, or I'm sorry, Davis was able to get inside the real estate of Barrios without paying the toll. And the toll is the jab. The bigger fighter catches the smaller fighter coming in and basically says, look, if you're quicker than me, you may be able to get under my jab or, or, or around my jab or, or, you know, whatever that is, but you're going to pay a toll, right? I'm going to sting you with it. You know, Davis disarmed it in, in, in a lot of the same ways how Tyson Fury did to Deontay Wilder in the first fight and, and the second too, but the second he came forward on Wilder where the first fight, it was parry the, you know, the, the hand in front of the jab and make him not throw it. So those middle rounds, I thought Davis did that beautifully. Then he used his speed to land the body, land the, the lead left hands, the left crosses. And then you saw in round eight with the two knockdowns, that first knockdown was a thing of beauty from Javante Davis. It was a lead right hook from the southpaw position. And it was just short and right there where uh, Barrios didn't see that coming. I don't think any of us saw that punch coming. He doesn't use that punch typically. And it floored Barrios hard. He got up. Kent gets him down again with the left hand. And because those first two knockdowns happened in round in the first minute of round eight, like you thought the fight was over. And that's why this turned into a great fight because of those momentum swings. Barrios gets up, but he's getting, you know, torn apart left and right. You're like, they're going to stop this any second. But then Tank slows down. Barrios coming on. Barrios hurts him the next round with that counter jab. I mean, we had real theater here. Round 10 was probably the best round of the fight. It was uh, back and forth. I thought, again, Barrios had the better, let's say, first two minutes of the round. But he was doing that a lot with body shots or jabs where you get a big flurry again from Davis in the final minute. And I thought it was just, you know, caught Barrios in his tracks multiple times. And again, proved that he's short, but no one's bigger than him. I mean, Tank is a, is a, is a thick husky dude in there. I mean, you know, he's not out of shape. He's not, you know, big boned or in, but he's, he's muscular and uh, he's a force. You don't typically do great at this height at these weight classes, but you know, Pacquiao was small too. Again, um, loved it. Now quickly, uh, now, you know, so where's Davis going to go next? Wherever the money is, you know, it's not, I don't think he's by any means afraid of Ryan Garcia. No, like afraid of, you know, hating those guys. No, but they're not easy fights to make. And that's just the bottom line right now. Uh, the promoters of those guys are not going to give them away. Right. Oscar De La Hoya is not going to say, take Ryan Garcia and put him on your Showtime pay-per-view because they have too much value in their own brands and deals for them to fight on their own network. So again, the only way you can do that is the two network pay-per-view. I don't think those, those other guys are there yet. Star wise, they're B sides for now. Now you can argue and say, Hey, BC isn't Teofimo Lopez pretty much on the verge of being an A side. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's about to go to the pay-per-view level, probably going to fight Lomachenko uh, after this mandatory against Cambosos on the pay-per-view level. So we're getting closer, but right now in this group of the, the young potential, you know, new four Kings or the four princes as, as Karen Mulvaney of the Showtime boxing podcast brilliantly calls them tanks, the biggest star of that group. There's not a question. Teo's coming. Ryan Garcia has, has a huge uh, social media following. Devin Haney's the furthest behind in star power, but certainly may end up being the, you know, the, the most talented fighter when all is said and done, we'll see what happens. But uh, despite that, uh, you know, somewhat of a tough ending against Linares where he was hurt, but, you know, Gervonta's the star, and that was on full display in all the right, best ways. Adversity, but overcame. Um, is he a real junior welterweight? I don't, I don't think so, but it doesn't stop, might have stopped him. Might have stopped him from making great fights and winning big fights and winning championships. Uh, that's greatness. We, we, we turn the corner. We turn the corner. We're heading to greatness here, okay? Uh, if, if obviously, Tank's got to keep doing it, but uh, he wants it, so... We'll see. Uh, you're probably more likely to 
I don't know. It depends. You know, you got Ruguru, Regis Progre, who's kind of a free agent at the moment. He called out Tank afterwards. But without a title, you're not going to see Davis go out of his way. He's got the secondary WBA title, but Josh Taylor is the four-belt champion at 140. You know, Davis is not going to fight Josh Taylor. You know, again, it's not a two-network pay-per-view. We're not there yet on that. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, there wasn't an indication after uh, of, you know, that they we're going to stay at 140 right now. I'm sure if you're his trainer or his handlers, you're saying, okay, you know, he did take some shots here. This was a real fight. Is it better for him at 135? You know, would, would he roll through guys easier? Yeah. Yeah, he would. He would most likely, but we'll see what happens there. Um, on this co-main event, Jason Rosario, the former unified champion, Banana, they call him at 154, and Erickson Lubin. We said there were two vulnerable guys with, with big-time power who really had a chance to put on some fun theater. They put on some fun theater. It was back and forth. Uh, both guys were, were hurt, and uh, Lubin, that was an emotional performance for him, and you saw that. Uh, he, he, he wanted and needed that. You know, He bounced back from that Jermel Charlo uh, first-round knockout a while ago. Now he's put together six wins and we're seeing him against elite competition, you know, closer to elite competition. Rosario's not fully elite. It's weird. Yeah. He was the unified champion. He upset Julian J rock Williams uh, for the, for the two belts and then lost it to Charlo by body shot knockdown in the next fight. But he's, he can will himself to wins on the elite level because he's so aggressive and he hits hard and he's unorthodox and he's a little bit raw in there, but you know, you can find the, 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 uh, disassemble button johnny five and that's what erickson found and that's going to the body and it really was some sharp counter punching from lubin and once he was in finishing mode like i know he got it hurt just a couple rounds before that and he was like oh man is he, you know he's gonna blow this like does he have the chin for this level i don't know terry norris didn't have the chin for that elite level still won a lot of elite fights and ended up in the hall of fame also got starched a few times right like ryan garcia may end up being that type of star where when he loses he's gonna lose big potentially he's gonna get stopped but towing that you know it's getting close to that fire it's like a sudden morning combat with the microphones right i'll get right next to that fire let me stand next to your fire jimmy right um the key is not getting burnt right the key is swim but don't get wet as nazim richardson used to say um erickson lubin got, got wet got a little bit wet but if you don't finish him off first when you find him vulnerable when you can catch him in that moment going to get you out of there he's a young powerful kid like 20 how's he only 24 right i mean we've been knowing about erickson lubin forever how's he still just 24 uh him in a rematch against jermel charlo if charlo beats brian castaño on july 17th on showtime for all four uh 154 belts in san antonio which should be a great fight there's there's legitimately fun storyline there with with lubin going back up to the charlo level for the undisputed title and taking him out i mean uh you know, you're going to always love Charlo's chances if they're going to make that fight, especially because he got him out of there in round one, you know, is that, <laughs> dramatically, I mean, violently, uh, but that's going to be a fun fight to make. So uh, Lubin, you are in this discussion and uh, I did not get to watch the Vasily Lomachenko fight on ESPN live uh, against Masayoshi Nakatani did see sort of the story of the fight, read the recap, saw some highlights. Uh, it seems like a statement win from Lomachenko to, to say, okay, I started late against Lopez. You know, I wasn't as offensive as I could be because I'm not a huge puncture at this weight division. We already know that, but uh, he came out and, and hit, hit fast forward, right? You know, he went after it and that was great. Oh, that was great to see. And he finished him and he beat the crap out of him. He was technically better, faster, but most importantly, it's, it's like a two pronged statement. It's I'm 33, but I'm not slipping yet.
I still got this at the super elite level. And, you know, let's not forget, guys, came pretty close against Lopez. Started too late, but I came pretty close against him in that first fight. I'm going to be in that second fight. And the second point he made to back up the fact that he thinks he's going to be in the second fight is he's sitting down on his shots and he's finding creative ways to throw power punches to get people out of there. He could easily do the opposite. Could easily just do the, well, fought the bigger puncher. You know, like Hector Camacho was a great fighter. But, you know, he fought Rosario. He stopped. He was lucky to sort of survive and get the win that but while getting hurt and getting battered that, you know, that was one of those times where he, he changed as a fighter and sort of was circling and defensive and spoiling the rest of the way. When you have skills as great as Lomachenko, you can at any point just go into that. I would say that about Terrence Crawford. Like he's so technically brilliant and quick that, you know, if he wants to just stink it out against somebody and, and use his length to win a jab fest, he'd probably do it. Lomachenko could probably do that against most guys. Although in this case at 135, his lack of reach makes it difficult, but he was offensive and, uh, a rematch with uh, Teo, it's going to be something. It's going to be something. So here's what I just did. I just talked in this microphone in circles and got really excited about boxing. But it's after midnight, deep after midnight. We let it all hang out. So uh, that's all I got. All right, I don't, I don't care. You, do you enjoy it? I, get, I mean, I got sweat. I guess I'm overrun by sweat stains right now, okay? You know what I'm saying? I bleed for this. I sweat for this, okay? This is what I did for you. This is actually really gross. Like, you know, you, you can back and back and look into this camera and play it off as, you know, hey, oh, bro, BC, that was an intense clo closing to the uh, instant analysis there. All, so intense that it covered up the, you know, how gross these sweat stains are in your own basement. I got a fan right here. Certainly wasn't enough, right? Um, yeah, it didn't cover up. This is really gross. But, uh, you know, I live for this. That's what I do, right? Were you entertained? I don't know. I don't care. I mean, I care, but, you know. See, MK's already penetrated your frontal lobe. You're already, you know, you had the, like, you bet you can't eat just one. You'll be back, right? You'll be back. Uh, there's ominous text messages in the morning combat universe. You don't need to know about those, though, all right? All right. I'm here. I'm still here. All right. Uh, shout out to Gervonta Davis. Big time win. Showtime Sports. You did it. Great pay-per-view. Um, yeah. I don't have much more to say. Like, subscribe. Hey, buy our merch. We got we got better merch coming to you. But buy this merch. You're gonna it's, you're gonna like the way it, it feels on you. I guarantee that. Morningcombat.store. Um, all right. That's it. We out.